Today, I'd like to thank Pastor Jim for the opportunity to bring this message to the church. Last week, though, I was at a concert and then I was also at the theatre. And both times, at the end of both performances, people stood and gave the performers a standing ovation. But where you are this morning in your own homes or wherever you're watching this, can I ask you just for a minute to stand for wherever you are and give your God, our God, the standing ovation that he deserves what he's done in your life already this week. Now, God put this in my heart probably maybe about April of this year, and I've been working on it since then. He says, most of you know I'm a teacher, and many times when Pastor Jim brings something to the church, God usually follows that through in my school. And this year, way back in January, Pastor Jim brought us as a church health matters. But that had been on his heart for longer than that. And then in April of this year, my new head teacher came and she brought us something very similar. Because you see, in April of each year when you work in a school, we look at something called a school improvement plan. And we have to have at least three things that we're going to do in our school to improve how the school works. And one of the things this year is a thing that we're looking at, and it's called Emotion Works. And that looks at children and adults' mental well-being. So there's my link. I'm looking at my mental well-being as part of the the health matters, and now God's also bringing it into my school. So this morning, I want to continue to look at our well-being, and I want to look at our emotions because they affect our well-being, and both our positive and negative emotions do this. We all have emotions. It's how God created us. Our emotions make us human. We need to learn to understand how our emotions work and how to control our emotions and not let them control us. So as part of being in the school, we always get things to read. And I want to share a couple of quotes from you to, for, with you about that. The first one I want to look at is positive emotions. And part of the reading I've been doing says, positive emotions opens us up to new possibilities. We're able to learn and build on our skills. That leads us to doing better in tasks and tasks. And people who have plenty of positive emotions in their everyday lives tend to be happier, healthier, learn better and get along with others. Negative emotions, however, they are impossible to avoid and everyone feels them from time to time. They may be difficult, but we can learn to handle them. For us as a church to handle our emotions, we need to look to God and the tools that he's already given us. So the scripture I want to take you to this morning is from Luke 2, and it's 41 to 51, and that will come up on the screen for you. It says, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travellers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to him and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why do you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, and his mother stored these things 
and her heart. For a little bit of historical background, Jewish men were required to go to three festivals in Jerusalem every year. The Passover, Shavuot, which we would now recognise as Pentecost, and Tabernacles. But Passover was the only one that was strictly observed because it was expensive to go to the festivals or if they lived at a distance, they would choose to go to Passover. Women and children sometimes attended the festivals as well, but again, Passover was the festival most likely to be attended by the women and children. This would have made it a very busy festival and lots of families would have been travelling together. When I was thinking about this Passover festival, it led me to think about Mary travelling with Joseph and her five boys. I know how difficult it is in my house to get ready for a trip, especially when all four of us are going together. It's a bit easier now that Rebecca and Craig can pack their own clothes, but it still causes me stress making sure that we've got everything we need to travel. And we're lucky because we're either travelling by car or plane, but Mary had seven of them to pack for and they were probably travelling by foot. I'm sure the family would have had a great time at the Passover festival and they would have met friends and families, family that they only get to see that once a year. And on the way home, Mary would have probably been thinking, I hope I can get all this washing done and dry before the rain starts. Well, she lived in Scotland, that's what she'd been thinking. On the way home, the adults would have been tired and the kids would have been complaining because they didn't want to go home. They would have wanted to stay with their friends a little longer. But the part of the story I want to look at today is when Mary realises that Jesus is missing. And I want to look at three emotions that Mary would have felt during this time. Her whole world must have felt like it had been turned upside down. So the first emotion I, I think that Mary must have felt was panic. And the dictionary describes panic as a sudden sensation of fear which is so strong as to dominate or prevent reason and logical thinking. Replacing it with an overwhelming feelings of anxiety, frantic agitation, agitation consistent with an animalistic fight or flight reaction. I can relate to this feeling. Because I remember losing Craig once we were on holiday. We were at Primrose Valley. And if you've been there, you'll know it's got a small theme park. Billy, Rebecca, Craig and I were on the theme park and we used all of our tokens. You see, the rides didn't take cash, only tokens. So we needed to go and buy more tokens for Rebecca and Craig to go on the rides. So all four of us had been on a ride and it was called the Runaway Train and it was Craig's absolute favourite. But you need an adult to go on it and you need the tokens. But you see, by the time we'd bought the tokens, Craig had gone. We had no idea where he was. For me, the feeling of panic was terrible and I couldn't think straight. I couldn't control my emotions. They were controlling me. We searched everywhere in the park. We went behind the park because it was tennis courts. There was still no Craig. We looked around the rides, couldn't find him. It was Rebecca who finally found him. She saw his ticket hat going round the runaway train. Somehow, he'd managed to go on the ride without us and without any tokens. But those few minutes, and it maybe wasn't even a few minutes, it might have been one, felt like a lifetime. So I can't imagine the panic that Mary must have felt when Jesus was missing for the three days. Each day must have been worse than the day before. So when I think about Mary in this situation, I can only put myself in her shoes and imagine how I behave. I'm sure she would have been running around all the relatives and friends frantically searching. I can imagine Mary running from family to family and asking if they'd seen Jesus and becoming more and more frantic with every note she heard. If Mary was anything like me, I can imagine Joseph getting an earful. I'm sure she would have been saying to him, you should have been watching him. The last time I saw him, he was with you. You were looking after him. Where are the rest of the kids? I can just imagine what she must have been like. But you see, she was just fainting her anger and frustration. And it's always the person that's the closest to you that gets it. 
it also makes me think about what I was like before I had Jesus in my life. I didn't live in fear of not knowing him because I didn't know that I was missing him, I suppose. So that meant that I went and I did things and in some areas of my life I did live in fight or flight. There would be times I would run from situations I shouldn't have been in and other times I would have run to situations that I thought were okay. And it might not have led to a fight, but I would have ended up in places and situations I shouldn't have been. And looking back, I know that even though I didn't know Jesus, he was looking after me. There's times in my life that I can pinpoint and say, yeah, Jesus, you did. You protected me from those situations. You gave me the emotional stability to be able to walk away from places I shouldn't have been in. But you see, now that I know Jesus and I know the word of God, I can use his tools to help me with the emotions I face. The Bible says this about panic. In Proverbs 12 and 25 it says, An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And in Psalm 34 and 4 it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. In Philippians 4 and 6 it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. Mary would have known these first two scriptures from the Torah, and I know all of the scriptures, and many others. But sometimes in the midst of panic, I forget to turn to God, and that's my time of need. I wonder if Mary forgot the scriptures and ranted even more at Joseph, and then when that didn't get to find Jesus, I wonder, did she start to rant at God? Because I know I've done that too. But then, in her state of panic, was she different from me? Did she calmly pray? Did she trust God in the midst of a storm? All too often, it's easier to blame God for the storm that we're in. But we need to remember, he hasn't abandoned us in the storms we face, but he's always with us. I sometimes feel like my life is one big storm, especially the last two months with everything that's going on with my mum. But I can honestly say that this is one of the times that I've been in a storm and I haven't ranted and I haven't blamed God, but trusted fully in his word and spent time telling exactly how I feel in a calm way. And I have to say, I definitely feel the difference in my physical, emotional and spiritual well-being. The second emotion that Mary must have felt would have been failure. I'm sad to say that far too many of us compare ourselves to other people and Mary was probably the same, looking around at all the other mothers and comparing herself to them because she was the only mum who had lost her child. Why did she let him go with his dad? Why did she let him stay with his friends? Why hadn't she made him go with her? All of the questions she was asking herself was focusing on what she hadn't done. She was allowing the devil a seat at her table. She needed to change her mindset and think about where Jesus might be. How many times have you compared yourself to others? I'll never forget the message Pastor David gave a few years ago now when he spoke about how we compare ourselves to others, but the only thing that we ever see is their highlight reel. We only see what people want us to see, and most people don't advertise our storms, and they don't advertise the temptations they face, and we only see their good things. But sometimes we can be so blinded by our own storms, we don't see the problems that others are having, and we choose to only see their highlights as in feeling to ask for help or to ask people to pray for you. I can testify to the difference in my life being upheld in prayer by the church since my mum went into hospital. If I'd filtered my life to just a highlight reel over the last two months, there wouldn't have been much to share. But turning that around, I have so many highlights now that I can share because of the prayer that we received. My mum's a walking miracle. God has performed a miracle in my mum's life. And he's performed a miracle in my life because now 
my trust is more and now I'm not afraid to advertise my storm because at the end of the day, the only thing that can happen is that people will uplift me in prayer and hold my arms up. They'll keep me safe in their prayers. You see, it was like when Mary was looking for Jesus among the crowds, I'm sure she could no longer, when she couldn't find him, she must have felt like she'd failed as a mother. The more she looked, that horrible emotion of failure must have been building. I wonder if she asked her friends and family to pray, or was she too embarrassed to admit what's happened? As a mum of two children who grew up here in this church, there were times when we went away for a church weekend or we went to a conference, and I have to admit there were times I didn't know where my kids were. Rebecca had a problem with Lindsay, and Craig had a problem with Jordan Hope. But Mary was probably like me in thinking Jesus was off with his friends having a great time. Jesus wouldn't have been the only teenager not with his parents, I'm sure. They would have probably been a group of them together trying to squeeze the last bit of fun into the walk home at the end of that festival. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. This is what leads to the feeling of failure. We need to trust that God is with us in the good times and the bad. When we fully trust God, then panic and failure cannot control us. In Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6 it says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. The Bible encourages us to trust him. But if we're not reading the word or spending time with God, then that's when trust becomes difficult. You only really trust someone when you have a relationship with them. And a relationship is when two people are connected. When we're not connected to God, that's when we focus on our failure, wall on it and get stuck in a rut. In Hebrews 13 and 5, it reminds us that God will never leave us or forsake us. But that doesn't mean we're in relationship with him. You have to work at the relationship. It takes two. God is always there with his hand held out, waiting on us. We need to put our hand into his and spend time with him. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to spend time with us. For us to control those negative emotions, we need to know the promises of God. And this is one that I keep close to my heart. It says in 2 Timothy 1.17, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The dictionary definition of self-control is the ability to control oneself in particular one's emotion and desires, especially in difficult situations. God gave Mary and us a spirit of self-control. This is to help us control our emotions. For Mary, it was to help her control her feeling of failure. If she couldn't control this emotion, it would have been really hard for her to look for Jesus. But the third emotion that Mary would have felt would have been a positive emotion. It would have been relief. Because back to my story about when Craig was lost, when Rebecca shouted, there he is, I can still remember the overwhelming sense of relief. It felt like a physical weight had been lifted off me. Even though I was relieved, I was still a bit mad. I bet Mary was too. She needed to know why he'd stayed behind. And in verse 48, she asks, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. I actually think she was really calm. Or maybe Luke didn't want to disrespect the mother of Jesus by telling us how she really reacted. I'm sure there aren't any, many mothers or fathers listening to this that would remain as calm as Mary is reported to have been. In verse 51, it goes on to tell us, Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored, stored all these things in her heart. The instant relief Mary felt and then storing all these things in her heart, I believe, was preparation for what was to come. Pastor Jim spoke recently about how when things happen in our lives, it can be often to support, support others further along the road. And I'm sure that Mary used what she'd learned during this storm to support other people in her life. 
But I also believe it was in preparation for what she was still to deal with. 21 years later, Mary would have to deal with these three emotions again. When I think about this part of the story, I can't even begin to imagine what she was going through. In John 19, verse 25 to 27, we read about Mary standing near the cross, watching her son die. This is where all the emotion of panic and fear would have started again. The same emotion she would have felt when she lost him when he was 12, but this time it would have been much worse. At 12, she had the power to do something about it. She was able to go looking for him and eventually find him, but this time she was completely helpless. The panic this time would have been because her son is dying on a cross, a criminal's death. I'm sure her fight or flight reactions this time were going crazy. And I'm sure her full body and mind were telling her to run that if she didn't watch her son die, then it wouldn't be true. It would only be a nightmare and she'd be able to wake from it. Failure. She couldn't stop this injustice of her son's death. He wasn't a criminal. He didn't deserve to die. Why was he sentenced to death and not Barabbas? Why had Pilate allowed people to send her son to the cross? What could she have done differently? What could she have done to protect him? can't imagine how Mary was feeling at the feet of her son at the cross but reading this part of the Bible and thinking about Mary makes me feel really sad for her because no one else could possibly understand what she was going through no one could truly comfort her or tell her how to deal with these emotions in this situation she had to remember what she'd stored from her earlier experience in her heart this allowed her to fight the emotions of panic and failure and trust God for her son and trust what he said was going to happen would happen. Last week, Sean and the band sang, Take Courage, and the chorus says, So take courage, my heart, stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting, he's in the waiting. Hold on to your hope, he's never failing, he's never failing. God was in the waiting with Mary, just as he's in the waiting with us. So Mary stored this storm of losing Jesus at 12 in her heart for such a time as this, the time that her son would die and rise again because God didn't fail. God never fails. Again though, Mary had to wait until the third day to feel this emotion. This time the relief would have been even more overwhelming. Our son indeed had ridden for sin from the grave and God had fulfilled his promise not only to Mary but to the full world. God cares about every detail of our life. He cared about every detail of Mary's life too. When God first put this in my spirit, it was the first time I'd ever thought about the significance of Jesus being missing for three days as a child. God was using this storm and circumstance to prepare Mary for her son going to the grave and rising on the third day. None of us like it when we're stuck in the midst of a storm, stuck at the bottom of the valley, or stuck in the doldrums. But when we continue to focus on Jesus and keep a relationship with him solid, build it in the rock, not in the sand, then the first two emotions begin to fade. We will learn to control our emotions instead of them controlling us. The Bible gives us guidance for every area of our life, but we need to stay focused. Because in Matthew 14, 20 and 31, we're reminded of this when we look at Peter, who stepped out of the boat. And when he stepped out of the boat and onto the water, when he was looking at Jesus, he could walk in the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the storm around him, that's when he started to sink. God uses the storms and circumstances of our lives to prepare us for the future. The storms in our lives should strengthen us when we keep our focus on them. We need to let God be God and don't try to fix everything on our own. I'm terrible at interfering and trying to help God. Not because I think he needs it, but I sometimes think if I help, it'll happen quicker. It'll happen in my time. 
not his. So I keep this poem in my Bible to remind me not to interfere. And it's called Broken Dreams. It says, as children bring their broken toys with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken, dream, I brought my broken dreams to God because he was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last, I snatched him back and cried, how can you be so slow? My child, he said, what could I do? You never did let go. We need to leave our broken dreams with God and leave our negative emotions like fear and failure and let ourselves grow closer to him and allow him to use us and our circumstances to change our lives and the lives of the others around us. We need to store the things of God in our heart and we will feel and see the change in our spiritual, mental and physical well-being. I'm challenging myself and you today to think about whether you control your emotions or whether they control you. Spending time with God and letting him deal with our circumstances and emotions will help us get to a place where he can use what we have been through to either deal with the things that are happening in our lives or the lives of the people that God brings across our path. I want to finish by encouraging you to continue to think about your well-being, spend time with God and how your emotions control you and your relationship with him. I'd just like to pray for you all this morning, just that your relationship with him will grow closer and that he, you will allow him time, God's time, not our time. Lord, I just praise your name, Lord. I thank you that you are God, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you built us this way, Lord, that you built us with emotions, Lord, and that both negative and positive emotions, Lord. But Lord, we can't let the negative emotions control us, Lord. Lord, I pray that we spend time in your word, Lord, and we store you in our heart, Lord. We store the storms that you've taken us through, Lord, in our hearts, Lord, and that you use them, Lord, to build us up and to build up those around us, Lord, that we can be the people that you want us to be, Lord. Lord, I just praise your name and I thank you that you've already gone before us in every storm, Lord, that you've been there and we just need to keep our eyes focused on you and your precious name. Lord, we love you. Amen.